The Gospel reading today is from Matthew 4. Then Jesus was led up by the Spirit into the wilderness to be tempted by the devil. And after fasting 40 days and 40 nights, he was hungry. And the tempter came and said to him, If you are the Son of God, command those stones to become loaves of bread. But he answered, It is written, Man shall not live by bread alone, but by every word that comes from the mouth of God. Then the devil took him to the holy city and set him on the pinnacle of the temple and said to him, If you are the Son of God, throw yourself down, for it is written, He will command his angels concerning you, and on their hands they will bear you up, lest you strike your foot against a stone. And Jesus said to him, Again it is written, You shall not put the Lord your God to the test. The gospel of the... <laughs> I'm sorry, I just got into it so much. This is the gospel of the Lord. And from the book of James, the fourth chapter, I'm going to start at verse 4 through 11. You adulterous people, do you not know what friendship with the world is enmity with God? Therefore, whoever wishes to be a friend of the world makes himself an enemy of God. Or do you suppose it is to no purpose that the scripture says he yearns jealously? Over the spirit that he has made to dwell in us, but he gives more grace. Therefore, it says, God opposes the proud, but gives grace to the humble. Submit yourself, therefore, to God. Resist the devil, and he will flee from you. Draw near to God, and he will draw near to you. Cleanse your hands, you sinners, and purify your hearts, you double-minded. Be wretched and mourn and weep. Let your laughter be turned to mourning and your joy to gloom. Humble yourself before the Lord, and he will exalt you. Do not speak evil against one another, brothers. The one who speaks against a brother or judges his brother speaks evil against the law and judges the law. But if you judge the law, you are not a doer of the law, but a judge. There is only one lawgiver and judge, he who is able to save and to destroy. But who are you to judge your neighbor? This is the very word of the Lord. Looked up right in the middle of uh, our opening worship and uh, saw another one of our missionaries here, too. Welcome, Alex. Great to have you home. Hi, Marika. Great to have you back with us again. An honor and a blessing uh, to have the gang together uh, this weekend, and, but then also to have you back. Um, Alex is a missionary to um, that pagan place, otherwise known as the University of Ohio State, I guess, and, and um, the Ohio State University, I got it wrong. 
and um, and we're delighted to see you whenever, brother. If you have a chance, if you guys could make yourselves available and give people a chance to hear what's going on at Ohio State, we'd appreciate that. Thank you, brother. Goodness, well, let's get to the word uh, here quickly. We have been studying together the the temptations of Christ, and I know that's an awkward way to say it. Uh, every time I say that, I stumble just a little bit because um, we know that um, that Jesus did not give in to desires. He did not give in. He did what Adam and Eve could not do and overcame the temptations, but he still went through the trials. In fact, we saw in 1 Corinthians that Jesus was tempted in every way as we are, yet without sin. And so our premise has been that by, by looking to Jesus, that we could discover ways to face the challenges that we are facing, whether they be physical temptations. For many of us, the greater ones are emotional or even spiritual temptations. And, and hopefully as we look to Jesus, as we look to God's word with him, then we'll find help in our time of need. Well, let me ask you as we begin, how'd you do last week? We always want to encourage you when you hear the Word of God to put it into practice. And, and we gave you some suggestions, but we're trusting the Holy Spirit to lead you as you hear the Word of God. And, and when He prompts you, this is a, this is a new obedience I want to invite you into. Um, how'd you do? How'd you do? Were you listening last week? Did you hear God's Holy Spirit invite you into a deeper relationship with Him? Did you say, oh, yeah, I, I want to do that, God. I want to go here. Well, I don't know about you, but I'm, uh, I have all the greatest intentions and, and oftentimes fall short. That's why I love that passage from James. Yes, God is concerned with his word, but he also gives grace in our time of need. But I just want to encourage you, press on. Press on, right? Don't be afraid to listen in God's word for very specific directions for you and how you can have a deeper experience of him. But when you fall short, do not give in to the temptation to think, well, I guess I'm just not a good enough Christian, right? And I remember that one of my earliest experiences, people saying, well, I'm just not a good enough Christian. There's no such thing as a good or bad Christian, right? There's just an invitation of God to live into his grace. And I want to invite you to do that today again as we move to the second temptation of Jesus and to listen for very specific instructions for you and then to to risk putting them into practice in the week ahead. The conclusion of our time together, we'll just ask you those questions. What is he saying to you? What are you going to do about them? Who are you going to tell? But let's go back real quickly and just pick up um, from last week, this first of these great temptations that Jesus experienced. Let me just say again that we reminded ourselves, well, we, we, we started last week by saying, here's a, a working definition of temptation. Do you remember it? We saw this, this working definition as temptation as the intersection of desire and opportunity, right? And we learned from Jesus' brother that when we, it overtakes us when we give in to the desire, Rather than, rather than uh, hold strong in, in the Word of God. But it, temptation is that intersection, and we have this opportunity either to replace the desires that are leading us astray with good desires, with godly desires, or to remove ourselves from the opportunity for that temptation. And again, we reminded ourselves of, Pot, of, of Joseph with Potiphar's wife just fleeing, just literally running the scene. But then we looked especially last week at Jesus. And, and we saw that, that after 40 days of fasting, when he was hungry, 
when he was weak, the evil one came to him and, and tempted him. He said, if you are the Son of God, if you are, right? The very thing that God had just told him he was, if you are the Son of God, then turn, uh, tell these stones to become bread. And Jesus overcame that temptation powerfully. Do you remember? With the word of God. He says, and, and he quoted Deuteronomy, right? Man shall not live by bread alone, but by every word that comes from the mouth of God. And we began to explore, maybe as a tool to look at these three temptations, some questions to ask ourselves. What is the surface temptation that, that seems to be present in a given situation? Is there a deeper temptation that we need to be aware of? Is there a, a real temptation behind those two do we see in the situation a strategy of Satan? Can we find in the Word of God a solution? And last week we, we recognized that the surface temptation was lust. John had warned us that the, the ways of the world are the lust of the flesh, the, the lust of the eyes, and the boastful pride of life in 1 John 2. And, and this first temptation seemed to be uh, centering on the lusts of the flesh, this desire to meet our own needs. We saw also last week that there was something deeper in there. In, in our attempt to meet our own needs, we were expressing this reality that we don't really trust in God's promise that he will provide for our needs. And Jesus, after 40 days still desperately hungry in all of his humanness, still trusting God that when God provided for him, he would have what he needed to meet his physical needs. But what was the real temptation under that? We kind of anchored ourselves in this idea that the evil one is always going to want you to shortcut God's plan for your life. The evil one offers you the very things that God is going to give you, but invites you to a shortcut or to short circuit what God is already producing in you. The strategy we saw last week was isolation getting you by yourself, or attacking when you're weak, bringing to you these half-truths, these things that sound like they, they are true, and, and like Adam and Eve in the garden, tempting us to, to trust in his voice rather than in the Lord's. And the solution we saw last week was to counter temptation with truth. And, and, I, and I invited you to risk believing that the word of God is truth to focus on the Word of God and, and to dive deeper into that for your source of truth. That was our, our solution and our discipline. I invited some of you to, to risk new behaviors. That's why I was asking you earlier. Did you try that soaps? Again, it's been setting me free. I, it's, a, it's a little different way of, of approaching the Word of God. If you don't know what I'm talking about, there's a, there's a um, bookmark on the table out there that will help you back into that. Many of you uh, uh, dove deeper into extraordinary prayer, extraordinary prayer, prayer beyond your normal prayer patterns. Some of you jumped into extraordinary fasting, going beyond the things that, that you normally would do to experience God's presence in a new and fresh way. And I'm just so excited about what God is doing in your life. Well, here's the reality. Even when you have amazing victories, uh, like Jesus overcoming that first, that first temptation, Satan does not go away. He comes right back at you in a slightly different way. And today in our, in our Matthew passage, we see the second temptation. Do you remember it? As, by the way, when 
when I get to heaven, I'm going to have a voice like Mike Libs. And, and, um, but, but did you hear? And Mike, Mike read it for us. Then the devil took him to the holy city, to Jerusalem, and set him on the pinnacle of the temple and said to him, If you are, there it is again, if you are the Son of God, throw yourself down. For it is written, he, command, he will command his angels concerning you, our Psalm 91 passage, and on their hands they will bear you up lest you strike your foot against the stone. Do you see what's happening, you guys? Jesus counters the first temptation of the evil one with the word of God. And what does the evil one do? He brings, he comes right back at him with, guess what? The word of God, the very word of God. Of God, He uses that. Now, what was striking me, especially this morning as I was praying and thinking about this time, is that, again, there, this is not like Star Wars where there's this impersonal force of evil out there. Um, the evil one is, is a personage who can adjust to what you do, right? And you come back uh, with the st- a strong showing of the Word of God. You lean heavily on the Word of God, and He'll come right back at you with the Word of God, right? With the Word of God. Now, I'm going to go into this in a minute and show you how you can, uh, you can overcome this, but, but I just want you to know the evil one's strategy here. He comes right back at you with the very thing that helped you overcome the temptation in the first place, right? So what is it? Let's go through the same little structure together. Is there a surface temptation? And I just want to say to you again, this is just my way of trying to parse out these issues here. This is Dave here. But check it against the Word of God and see if, if what I'm suggesting to you isn't true here, okay? And if you find something different, tell me. Because I'm, I'm like you. I'm a follower of Jesus. I'm a disciple who's constantly learning. I want to understand this better. But I want to suggest to you something that's going to sound odd at first here that the surface temptation here is one that I'm so vulnerable and prone to. And that is the desire to be liked and accepted by others. Now, right about now, some of you are going, where does the good book say that? What would have happened? What would have happened if Jesus had done what the evil one wanted? If he had gone up to the temple. Now, right now in Jerusalem, some of you recently were there, and some of, many of you have been there. Right now, if you stand on the ground level below the Temple Mount, there are 13 stories, 130 feet of foundation just to the top of the foundation, right? And there's more beneath you, right? But right now, there's 13 stories right there of of foundation. But probably when Jesus was there, most people estimate that, that it was 46 stories of elevation. What would have happened if Jesus had stood there on the pinnacle of the temple and had, had jumped? Could he have commanded angels? Yes, he could have. Would they have responded to his command? I'm going to believe yes. Um, disclaimer right here, do not do this this afternoon, okay? Do not go to Fifth Third Bank Towers or whatever, um, Um, we're going to see that Jesus is going to teach us through this thing. But he could have done it. He could have done it, right? And what would have happened? People would have said, wow, wow, did you see that? He just jumped on the angel, and it was so cool. Let's make him king right now, right? They would have loved him for it. There's actually a movie. I don't recommend the movie. 
It's a pretty dark movie, but it, um, Angels and Demons, one of the Dan Brown ones, where a guy does this. He creates a spectacular situation, so everybody by acclaim will make him Pope, right? But, um, but it was all his doing, all his works. Yeah, they would have loved Jesus for, for doing that. And, and people will love you when you do what they want you to do, right? Rather than what God wants you to do. You know, oh yeah, let's just, let's just change this a little bit. We'll love you for that, right? I constantly find myself vulnerable to this temptation. I want, I want to please people. And so I want to do what people want me to do. And, and, and beloved, there's only one person, right? There's only one person that it's important for you to please. And the beauty of it is that he loves you so much that if you please him, he's going to bless your relationships with other people. Because he sees things you don't see. But that person is the Lord. That person is the Lord. It's an audience of one rather than of thousands. Why did Jesus constantly do things that, that caused people to run away from him? He wasn't interested in pleasing those people. He was interested in honoring his heavenly Father. He invites us to do that as well. So we have the surface temptation, this desire to be liked and accepted by others, but there's, but there's a deeper one here, and I see this again in myself. And that's a, that's a desire to be raised above other people, right? That's a desire to be first, to be more important than other people. Now, don't look at me like that. I'm guessing that you have that problem too, right? I'm guessing that, that when you're standing there in the grocery store, that you're evaluating which of these lines is going to get done first, right? And you actually mark, there's a person in a red sweater. I'm going to get in this line, and I'm going to see if I beat that person in the red sweater. Okay, okay, all right. Thank you. Thought I was alone for a while here, right? For some of the rest of us, um, uh, why do I drive seven miles above the speed limit? Because I just really love going by people rather than having people go by me, right? Oh, my goodness, I'm, I'm ashamed of it. But there's just something. I just have this artificial, why did I want so bad for Purdue to win? I didn't go to Purdue, right? But, but they became my team. My, my identity got tied in with them, right? And when they were, were advancing and looking like they were going to win, I'm like, yes. And when they, when they, in the last second, had that tying shot, I'm like, oh, no. There's a deeper temptation. It's a temptation to win. It's a temptation to be first. It's a temptation to be raised up above other people. And what is that? What's the real temptation there? Right? Remember, John has given us an outline. He says, the lust of the flesh is a real temptation. But he also said, the boastful pride of life is a real temptation. I'm guessing that this is an example of that real temptation. Pride. To have my identity tied with my relative position to others, right? My identity is not who I am as a child of God, but who I am related to you, right? Related to you. My identity is not found in my relationship to you. My identity is found in what God says of me. And lest we forget, what does God say of us? You are my child, right? New name, the beloved, right? With you, I'm well pleased. With you, I am well pleased. Oh, my. That's, that's a foundation 
to build your life upon, your identity as a child of God. Do we see a strategy of, of, of Satan here? Absolutely. Absolutely. The strategy of twisting Scripture, right? Of taking Scripture out of context. Don't succumb to the temptation here, right? Immerse yourself in Scripture so that you can recognize it when it's taken out of context. No, no we're used to this kind of thing, right? You remember the old, um, the old uh, oh, I need a word from you, God. And so, remember, ever done that? Right? And, and, and they just humorous story about the person who did that. And, and, and the scripture was, and Judas went out and hung himself, right? He says, that can't be it. Let me try again. He closes the Bible, opens it up, goes, boom, right? Go and do likewise, right? That can't be right, right? One more time, one last time, right? What you do, do quickly, right? What are we doing? We're ripping Scripture out of context. So, so stick with me for a second. Let's go back. Shall we do that? Satan is quoting Psalm 91. And, and Marianne read that for us. It is one of my favorite psalms. It's this beautiful psalm of hiding beneath the, the shelter of, of God's wings, right? Would you go there just for a second? Turn there for a second. I think you'll be amazed. I think you'll be amazed. So back to Psalm 91, right? And you'll see um, right about verse 11, after this beautiful expression of how God protects us and, and hovers over us, after this beautiful expression, Satan quotes the part where he says, um, for he will command his angels concerning you, concerning you to guard you in all your ways. In other words, Jesus, if you just jump off this building, God will guard you in all your ways, right? On their hands, they will bear you up lest you strike your foot against the stone. There you go, Jesus, right? But we've seen this over and over again. Let me try it again. Uh, Help me out. For God so loved the... What happens next? Okay, you knew that, right? If Satan came to you and said, God loves you, right? And, and, and you are the most important thing in the world. You've got to watch out for number one. What could you say? No, Satan, you're misquoting John 3.16, right? That he gave Jesus. He gave his only begotten son. Let me try it again. Psalm 23, right? The Lord is my shepherd. He makes me lie down. He leads me beside. He restores me. Yeah, look at this, you guys. So don't you think... Ooh, I got shivers going down my spine. Don't you think when Satan pulled that one on Jesus that he knew the rest of the psalm? Are you still there? You will tread on the lion and the adder. What's an adder? A snake. The young lion and, now unless you were unclear, the serpent you will trample underfoot. And because he holds fast to me in love, I will deliver him. Right? Do you think Jesus didn't know that scripture? He knew it. He knew it. He wasn't fooled. He had immersed himself in Scripture and he knew that Satan was taking that first part out without the back part, right? When you call to me, I will answer you and I will be with you in trouble. I will rescue you and honor you and with long life will I satisfy you and show you my salvation. 
the strategy of Satan is to twist the Scriptures. So immerse yourself in Scriptures. Do not be fooled. Believe that God is speaking to you through His Scriptures. And, and you'll be able to resist the temptation of the evil one. Oh, you're still not with me. I can see so much of Scripture is, um, is third person, right? And I, and, I, and I invite you to go back and press back on this. But again, I have suggested to you that when Christ is in you, that when the Holy Spirit is in you, the James passage, right, then, then you have everything that you need in God's word to Jesus is his word to you here too, right? His word here 3,000 years ago to the psalmist is his word to you. So hear it one more time. But now hear it for yourself. Would you do that? Let me ask you those two questions. Do you love God? Not a rhetorical question. Do you love God? Do you love God? Uh, Yeah. Do you acknowledge Jesus' name? Do you? Do you? All right. We're going to be shouting by the end of the service, okay? We're getting there. Now we just got up to six decibels instead of... But we're getting there, right? Then hear his word to you. You who love the Lord, who acknowledge Jesus' name, because you hold fast to me in love. I will deliver you. I will protect you. For you acknowledge my name. When you call to me, I will answer you. And I will be with you in trouble. I will rescue you. I will honor you. And with long life will I satisfy you and show you my salvation. Why do we spend so much time worrying about things that we have no control over instead of looking to the one who does have control over them? Instead of deepening our trust in the one who surrounds us with angel armies who, yes, puts us in trials. He's sovereign over that. The Holy Spirit led Jesus into the wilderness, but the one who's able to sustain us in the midst of it, the one who's able to help us resist temptation. Oh, what's the solution in this then? It's not rocket science, beloved, right? If pride is the problem, what's the solution? Help me. Sorry? Yeah, over and over again. Did you hear, James? Humble yourself before the Lord and He will lift you up, right? Matthew, the greatest among you shall be your servant. Whoever exalts himself will be humbled, right? Matthew 23, and whoever humbles himself will be exalted. The solution to this is intentionally, oh, it's going to kill me. Intentionally letting that car pass me. I'm going to drive about six and a half hours this afternoon. Oh, I got a limb. I don't have to be first, right? Yes, you do. No, you don't. I don't have to. To intentionally put yourself in the longest line at the grocery store. There. Those of you who are trying to change my driving habits. Right? To, to descend into greatness. Instead of trying to rise into greatness. Because Jesus said that. Because Jesus humbled himself. We have eternal life. We who have trusted in him. Who have submitted to his lordship. We have eternal life. Right? 
We don't have to fear tomorrow. Because Jesus has got tomorrow. We don't have to fear the armies that surround us. We don't have to fear the wilderness experiences. We don't have to fear the isolation and the aloneness. Because we're never isolated alone when God is on our side. So choose choose humility, right? Choose to humble yourself before the mighty hand of God. I've got to say this in three ways. It's not in your notes, but I just... It starts with humbling yourself before God. God, say, forgive me for trying to be God of my life. That was the temptation that Adam and Eve succumbed to. But God, you've given me another way. I don't have to be God. You be God. And I'll, I'll find comfort just in being your child. But it also, but it also means that, that you're going to have to humble yourself before the Word of God. You're going to have to say, um, I don't completely understand this. But I'm going to risk believing that this is truth. And if I would just immerse myself in it, that you'll give me everything that I need, especially for the temptations that are to come. And as much as I hate to say it, you're humbling yourself before God, humbling yourself before the Word of God, you're also going to have to humble yourself before people. If you can't humble yourself before another person, how about a spouse? How about a boss? How about, how about a brother or sister in Christ? If you can't do that, how are you going to humble yourself before the living God, right? He puts people in our lives to help us learn the skills that are going to be with us through eternity. So, if you believe this to be true, that this is not just Dave flapping his gums, but, but this is genuinely the Word of God coming to you, what would you need to do? Is there any different way you would need to think? Is there a different way you would need to act? Is there somebody you need to go to and humble yourself before? What would you need to do? Three minutes. You're not going to remember. You're going to forget. Write it down. Write it down. And if you believe this to be the Word of God, who are you going to share it with? Go preach at someone? No, no. Who would be blessed by hearing this passage, not an audio tape of it online, you sharing this passage with? Who would God ask you to share it with? Write it down. When are you going to do it? Write it down. Because if you will risk obedience to God in these things, then when we come back together next week, there's going to be five stories like Chad's. There's going to be amazing testimonies of God's victory. God, thank you so much for my sisters and brothers. I, I feel so foolish in front of them, but God, I'm going to trust that in my foolishness, that somehow you can exalt yourself, God. I know in many ways they're facing situations so huge, God, that, that they'd be tempted to just run and hide rather than to believe, God. Grant us that mustard seed of faith to believe that your word is true and if we will just employ it. If like, like the wise man who built his house upon the rock, we would just put it into practice, God. We would see 
the deliverance that we long for. God, I'm speaking to each of these situations that only your Holy Spirit knows. But I invite you to go in there, God, and, and reveal your glory. I ask for courage and strength for my sisters and brothers that your word wouldn't just be an exercise, an intellectual ascent, God, but, it, but it, would, it would be a surrender, God, a surrender to your purposes for our lives. God, thank you that we don't have to fear because if you lead us into it, you will lead us through it. So God, we look to you and you alone. Meet us in this place. We wait for you. Speak to us, we ask in Christ's name.